This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Intercontinental San Francisco Hotel. They are proud sponsors of our show, and they hosted our live podcast in the Bay Area during preseason with an awesome location, awesome room, and thanks everyone who came out to that podcast and supported the show and had a great time. We love meeting you guys all. So tonight's podcast is all about the Almeria game, opening game of La Liga, Real Madrid versus Almeria. Matt Wiltsy and I broke that down. Hope you enjoy it. And we're going to get started here with the voices of Derek Ray and Ray Hudson. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Sunday night edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are here for the very first official post-game podcast of the La Liga season and I'm your host Keon Sabani and I'm joined by Matt Wiltsey. We are going to break down Real Madrid's 2-1 win over Almeria which had a few moments where we were sweating a little bit but ultimately we got the three points. We deserved it and respect to Almeria. We'll get into all of that. Matt, welcome to the show man. How you doing? Hey Keon. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, obviously nice to start the season on some uh, with a solid win and some good footing and um, it, it was an interesting game. I, th- I mean, there's plenty for us to talk about. I think interesting that Carlo Ancelotti started out with the rotations and gave Chuameni and Rudiger their debuts and obviously some other changes within that. And so um, maybe that's a theme of what, what's to come this season, hopefully. Um, hopefully the first half didn't persuade, didn't persuade him the other way, but um, I, th- I thought it was good all around. It w- was good. And I think there's plenty of talking points for us to go over tonight. So I actually think we can start with that exact same theme you brought up is the rotations because it hit us right away when we saw the starting lineup. I think we expected that there would be some changes from the Super Cup game. I'm not sure we expected both of the starting center back pairing from last season to um, be on the bench to start this game. And uh, I suppose the Chum, anything wasn't as surprising. Lucas Vasquez was always going to start when Carvajal is not going to be here. But so some of it was surprising. Some of it was some of it wasn't. Um, I think if you zoom back on this, you know, on a lineup like this, and you look at this lineup throughout the season, it's a it's a damn good lineup on paper. I don't. I know that a lot of people will look at this and be like, "Well, it didn't work," and uh, maybe we shouldn't have rotated and stuff. This is a good team. I, first of all, I do not. I do not have any issue at all with Rudiger taking his time, many taking his time. It's not going to be absolutely world-class right away. And to be fair, I thought Rudiger was really good after that initial mistake, which we can break down in that opening sequence goal. But Rudiger was really good throughout. What, there, what I did see was there was clear chemistry issues, which is expected and understandable. And I thought many is it's going to take time for him, and I'm not worried about him at all. So I just want to get that out of the way. Where I do think criticism might be fair is if you're going to rotate, does it make sense to do this in the first game of the season where maybe the chemistry isn't there right away? Maybe you want to ease them in in a different way, um, especially if you want to go Rudiger and Nacho. Like Rudiger has played with Alban Militao so far in preseason. Maybe there's a bit more comfort level there. Maybe there's an argument for that. 
maybe you want to ease in the rotations later. But where do you stand on that in terms of rotations from day one? How, how it kind of just hit us. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think those are fair points. I think, I mean, I want, I want to continue to see this from Ancelotti, and so I get it that like, look, it's the first game. Maybe these guys have literally no chemistry together, especially that kind of core trio right there in the middle, Nacho, Rudiger, Chuameni. That's that is your really defensive block against any counterattacks, and we saw the chemistry was there. Because there was large gaps between the two, um, and Sadiq and Ramazani were just pinning Nacho and Rudiger back. They were really worried about uh, their pace and their ability on the counterattack. And so I think they were they were almost like cherry picking, staying as close to the halfway line as they could to stay on side. And so that was forcing Nacho and Rudiger to um, hold their line maybe a little bit not as high as they'd like to be. And so Chuameni would be pushed a little bit higher, rightly so, to try and keep um, try to keep under the ball back if we lose it. But then there was a gap between the three of them, and so that was my main concern going for the first maybe 20, 30 minutes or so. And then after that, I felt like we kind of found our groove and they settled down and they all and that's I mean when you think about it, that's completely normal given the circumstances. And so after 30 minutes or so, I thought the team was much better. We ended the first half really strong, probably should have scored. Um, it's debatable whether Lucas Vasquez was off on that goal. And we just took it into the second half. And Fede Valverde said it after the game. He mentioned that Kareem Benzema talked to the group at halftime and said, look, guys, we're creating plenty of chances. Just be patient. Just be patient. It will come. And sure enough, that's what happened in the second half. And I think, um, I think it was just a case of that first, and particularly like the unity between the three we mentioned, Nacho Rudiger and Chuameni. It just wasn't quite there yet, um, and I think it eventually worked itself out. But I didn't think Chuameni really played to the best of his abilities, and I don't think um, his compatriot Kamavinga did either. And Carlo kind of talked about that after the game. I know the standards are really high at this club and the fan base has a certain set of standard. That's And it's completely understandable. It's why we have so many titles. But if I'm being really honest with you, my whole Real Madrid life fandom has always been, there's been so many games like this where you're playing against a minnow, a team that's maybe newly promoted. They got their home crowd and they play really well. We struggle for a good chunk of the game, but then we win. And it's not a huge deal. So... If you look at this game also, the first 20 minutes you mentioned was a bit of a struggle. I think once we got into the game, we grew into it. It game it became more comfortable, and Almeria defended pretty well. Their counterattacks were good, and we ended up having 17 shots compared to their two. We had 1.3 XG, so it could be argued a lot of those shots weren't clear-cut chances. We had a million corners. I thought we were generally pretty comfortable overall, and we limited their chances. Courtois wasn't tested that much. So it's it's um, two shots on target, by the way, I think it was. I don't think it was just two shots for the, on their side. But, yeah, so I, I think it's fine. It's fine as an, as an opening game, victory, three games. It's fine. Then we can kind of break down the process. I do want to talk about Almeria a little bit before we get into some more stuff. 
mad because I think the opponent deserves some respect here. This is a team obviously newly promoted, champions of Segunda in some you know way. It's it's an unofficial Super Cup match of sorts. It's the champion of the league versus the champion of Segunda. This team has had a lot of issues registering players because because of La Liga rules. When you get promoted from Segunda to Primera, Primera your salary goes up. And so they've had trouble registering new signings. Among those, um, I'll, I'll mention two of the more well-known names, Fernando Pacheco, goalkeeper, although his understudy today had a great game, I thought, Fernando. And then you had um, Leo Baptistao, also a new signing, couldn't get registered. So they had this game plan where basically where they had um, the goal scorers, Ramazani, and then Umar Sadiq. Two players who are important to them offensively. Obviously, Sadiq scored like about 40 goals, I think, in the last two seasons since Segunda. Jose and I discussed his situation in the preview podcast, how they had issues um, with him in the sense that they weren't sure if he was going to play. They didn't want to risk him getting injured in case of an impending sale of about almost $30 million, which they absolutely have to take, regardless of how big of a loss he would be to leave. But he ended up playing, and the Almeria coach Ruby confirmed as much in the pregame press conference. And so they played, and I thought your point, because you mentioned it on Twitter today, you also mentioned it right now on the podcast, that their their plan of Ramazani and Umar Sadiq pinning Rudiger and Nacho, and I think what that created was this effect of too many also having a lot of space between him and the center backs. And I thought it was a weird kind of like Bermuda triangle between them in terms of chemistry being in sync, knowing which, which runs to cover, knowing where to be. I think Chiuameni was still trying to find his groove on that, just in that kind of whole thing. And then as a result, Almeria, despite fielding a very defensive-minded team, Chumi is a center back playing right back. They had five at the back all across. They had three defensive-minded midfielders. Then they had these two strikers up top. Despite all that, they had numerous chances to punish us in the first 20 to 25 minutes. Once we weather that storm... It was uh, it was much more comfortable. So, uh, we, if you want to maybe just talk about Chu Many a little bit more, Matt. One of the thing, the interesting things that Ewan mentioned, of course, Ewan was actually on site for us for managing Madrid's press. He was at the opening game away to Almeria. So uh, that's awesome that he, he was there and he also is covering a lot of the post game stuff. But he said something in his post game piece that was interesting. He said that he was monitoring Chu Many on and off the ball basically the whole time he was on the field. And what's interesting to him was that his body language really stood out and his confidence level stood out and his ability to communicate and organize stood out. So I thought that was interesting because I think a lot of the takeaways from people in this game about Chiumeni was that not a great La Liga debut for him. Um, but I'm just curious to know what your thoughts on him were. Yeah, I, I read Ewan's piece as well. And I, I think he touched on that space in between uh, Rudiger, Nacho, and, and Chuameni as well. And for you, and it probably was much easier to see because he obviously had the vantage point of the whole pitch while sometimes the camera angles cut it off for us. Um, so I agree, though. I think, like, there were moments. I felt like you had moments from Chuameni in this game where you saw what he's capable of. Some of it was just, like, his high press, his physicality, some of the tackles he put in. Uh, covering ground, like the through ball he had to um, uh, Vinicius over the top of the Almeria defense, yeah. and then also the outside the boot pass he 
through ball he tried to Kareem Benzema. Like those were all moments where you're like, these are snapshots of what Chuameni can bring to the table. And once he's fully integrated, once he's comfortable, this is what he can bring. I just felt like outside of those moments, it was a little bit. Uh, I, I would say like cold, like a cold performance. He's still just he's still kind of coming into his own. Still, obviously getting integrated. Um, Ancelotti mentioned as much after the game. Like he said, Kamavinga and Tuomeni, they weren't bad, but he felt like they didn't play as well as they have been in training. That they've been doing really well in training, and so. That's kind of where I stand. Um, I'm still to do my player ratings, and if I were to rate him today, I'm thinking like five or a six, probably a six. Um, like he wasn't bad; it just nothing too, nothing too much to to note. I don't know how. What did you feel? Mixed bag. Um, I would lean more towards. I thought this was kind of poor from him, more than I was impressed with him. But my too many analysis will absolutely not end here nor will it be definitive either way after this game it's going to be i think an awesome ride with him overall he's going to be great today it's today specifically again i as we mentioned cohesion issues familiarity issues you mentioned a couple nice passing things he had in his toolbox there he also let the passing lane behind him open and let almeria through on a couple vertical passes which i thought he could have he, co- he could have covered better. He also had that moment where he lost possession, which leads to a, a Sadiq chance in the box in the 13th minute. So I thought it was a mixed bag from him. And uh, Kamavinga, I think, was a little bit rusty today too. I'm not sure what was happening with him. He had a couple great help defense sequences for Mendy, where um, Mendy got just needed some help tracking runners in that half space, he, and Kamavinga came good. But overall, he was a little bit poor today as well. Um, but again, I, the, the team... Kind of even before the sub came on at halftime, what for Kamavinga, I thought the team was starting to grow into it and should have been up at least one goal. You know, Benzema had that great chance where, again, going back to that too many dink ball over the top to Vinicius, exploiting the high line. Vinicius, a nice square pass to Benzema in the box. Benzema shouldn't have scored. I'm still not entirely clear what happened on the Lucas Vasquez disallowed goal because. Apparently, as what from what I understand, people have been saying, I don't know if they're right or not, that there is an angle that proves it was offside. But I haven't seen that angle yet. Is there? Does such an angle exist? Yeah, I saw it afterwards. Okay. I think ESPN showed it at halftime. Um, but like when you see the replays during the game, it looks like he's onside. Yeah. Um, but afterwards, they drew that line, and he was just barely offside. I don't know. Even then, I think it's... It's tough to call, but um, yeah, I mean, I think just credit to Cruz there. It was incredible little fake touch and then cross, even to know Lucas was there. Uh, it was just, I mean, that that was class from Cruz. So people, I saw a lot of strange slander on Cruz today because apparently it was his fault, his, his fault that we had a million corners and then it was his fault that the corners didn't meet their target enough. And like, what are you guys talking about? You you don't measure a player based on this. The Cruz, the, there was that pass to the Vasquez one, which was in, in, incredible. There was another one where he had pinpoint diagonal cross right on top of Karim Benzema's head in the first half, which was immaculate. Um, Cruz is great. I will I will absolutely tolerate no Cruz slander. The VAR thing is interesting because I'm at a point now, and actually, to be honest, I've been at this point for a long time where 
no matter how much I believe what I'm seeing is a certain call, it just cannot be called. I was absolutely shocked seeing Kukureya's hair dragged to the ground today and that not being called. That was absolutely absurd to me. Um, back to this game, Matt. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the left flank a little bit. Vinicius and Mendy. Ohm and I spent a good chunk of time on Wednesday night after the on-track Frankfurt win just talking about the season Vinicius is, could have. And, and I, I went out and said something that I don't think is a shocking revelation. That I think this, like what we saw against Frankfurt and by extension what we saw today is going to be like a regular game in Vinicius' season and possibly the entire career he's going to have because everyone just knows he's on that left wing. He has one mission to basically cook the first defender, and then after that, a bunch of things can happen. He can cut in and shoot. He can cut back outside and cross. He can play a square pass to probably Benzema or whoever's at the top of the box. So defenders know that. So they're sending three, four players at him. Like, he's he has no space to work with. And, uh, you know, like there was one really clear example of this in the first half where he nutmegs one defender and then a second def- defender comes over and just takes it and then we, we get our, our 100th corner of the game. And I thought one thing that would help, and I'm writing about this now, is Ferland Mendy if he makes more overloads. The interesting thing about today was that Mendy actually spent a lot of time in the attacking third. He wasn't really hedged back defensively. It's not a matter of him staying back by design. He was actually in the final third. But what I think we saw today from Mendy was he doesn't have that individual talent to really do much in those situations where the um, the the lines are blocked. There's a lot of bodies there. Like he can do certain things like against Frankfurt. Obviously, had that pass down the line to Vinicius, and he can do great things defensively as we've seen. But it's I don't know how this magically solves itself other than the fact that Vinicius is kind of unlucky that during his early Real Madrid career he doesn't really have an offensive minded left back to you know it's a damn shame that Marcelo peak Marcelo is not there right now with Vinicius I mean that would be incredible to watch but we don't have that so I don't really know what the solution is other than the fact that if you really want to change this you need a more offensive minded left back if you put Alaba there you get his offense, but also you don't get Mendy's defense. Maybe that's okay in a game like this. So I'd be curious to know, maybe maybe Mendy is more important in bigger games where you have to like face, you know, um, Bernardo Silva like on a game like or Foden or whoever whoever might be on that wing. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, at this point, that's kind of where my head's at. I feel like Mendy's almost a big game specialist, kind of like the way Fede is. And I think when you're playing against these deep blocks and these teams that play with five in the back and then three defensive midfielders on top of that and just going to keep two, one or two guys high for the counterattack, then you saw how effective Lucas Vasquez was on the weak side. Well, as soon I felt like the fluidity of Alaba's movement and just the way he connected with everyone as soon as he came on for like 10 minutes at that left-back spot was night and day difference compared to Furlan Mendy. And Mendy just, he, it just seems like he's out of ideas when he gets to the final third. He's he's not sure what to do with the ball, and he just does a five-yard pass, either lateral or back to Vinicius. And then kind of his, it's rare that his overlapping runs really do a lot of damage or that he gets like a really dangerous cross in. Um, and so I think 
like with Alaba, you saw him, okay, he makes the overlapping run, and then he kind of just dripped. The commentators mentioned it. They're like, oh, where's Alaba even playing left back? No, he's playing like midfield. And, and that's just kind of the fluidity, like his natural movement and the way he sees other players moving, like Ceballos started going towards left back position. So Alaba just moved centrally. And um, obviously we've seen Mendy kind of do that inverted role before, but I just don't think he does it in a way I don't know how to describe the way Alaba does it but I think it's just he's more comfortable in those positions and he's more comfortable in tight spots and he can handle the ball and he's got the technique and he knows he kind of sees the runs beforehand and just seeing him Hazard Benzema Ceballos all those guys Modric combined on the left side I think it made for a noticeable difference even within just 10 minutes, which I think is saying something. So I think for the big games, I'd personally put Alaba and maybe even I think you'd argue Lucas Vasquez, or sorry, not the big games, for the the games against um, deep blocks, I would put Alaba and I think there's an argument for Lucas Vasquez at at right back in those types of games. So I I also think another option is that, you know, we didn't see it today because Nacho played, but you could go Alaba, just do the Alaba Mendy thing, but then do that thing where they switch on the fly, and you can still keep Mendy in there for defensive purposes, and Alaba can contribute to the attack. I mean, that that to me is still the best solution because you get the best of both worlds, and they have the understanding to do that and to switch on the fly. It works. I thought we could also talk about the goal conceded because it came pretty early in this game. It came in the sixth minute. What was your read on that? I actually I've watched this several times trying to figure out where to pinpoint blame, and I I, I suppose like. I should point out off the bat, I thought it was actually a really, really nice sequence from both Sadiq and Ramazani because they're both kind of tinkering with that run and trying to make Nacho and Rudiger guess what they're doing. They are pinning them in that situation. And it looks like initially it's Sadiq who is going to make that run because he kind of shoulder faints with off the ball. And Rudiger has kind of an eye on him on on the blind side in his blind spot, and then he leaves him because his re- he realizes Ramazani is the one actually making the run. And by the time Rudiger realizes, basically he has, I think it's too late, because initially I mentioned this on Twitter, that I think Rudiger needs to hold the line and keep him offside. I think, to be fair to him, to backtrack on what I said initially in reaction to it, after watching it multiple times, I think in that moment when he realizes that that's an option, it's a little bit too late to make that decision and actually step up, and so so it, so he's kind of in this weird place where he can't step up and he's not close enough to track Sadiq either. So I think it's kind of a weird situation to deal with. And also, you could also argue Nacho maybe could have been more just cognizant of the fact that he needs to also help out in that situation too and react quicker. But it happens really quick. And I think it's a brilliant piece of movement from both Sadiq and um, Ramazani, and also just an unfortunate situation. By the time Rudiger realizes what he can do, it's I think too late to do either of them. Yeah, and so it came down to doing one of the either one of the two, stepping up or moving back as a unit. And typically, there's a trigger for back lines where it's you see a player who's running at you with space, or a player picks his head up and looks like he's getting ready to hit a long ball or whatever it may be, those are usually triggers to start to drop off. Um, the thing that was unique about this play and like just special about what Girona did was it was a one 
time passed with the outside of the boot. I'm not sure who it was on Girona, but the midfield player that pl- actually played the ball through was a one-time pass with the outside of his boot. And that, I think, is where Real Madrid also could have done better because I know a lot of people are pinpointing Nacho and Rudiger and the, the miscommunication there, and I agree with that. Um, but I also think if you stop the original source, which was that pa- that outside of the boot pass, um, and it was hard for me to tell on the replay whether it should have been Fede or Cruz um, that should have been the one putting uh, putting the player under pressure to prevent that pass, but it just didn't happen. And so he had the time and space to just first time it outside of the boot. Beautiful. I mean, if you if you look at it, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous pass. Um, and so yeah. that was kind of the difference there. So I think if if it was. If two of those things happen, so if we prevented that original pass, it, and if Rudiger and Nacho were on the same page there, either dropping off or pushing forward together, then we could have prevented it. But in fairness to Girona and in fairness to Nacho and Rudiger, like it was a it was a brilliant piece of play. So it was Egueras who made the pass, and I think what also made it so beautiful was that it was a one touch outside the boot pass. Like he didn't even control it; it just. It was a back pass to him, and he just flings it with the outside of the boot, and it was perfect. And it was Cruz who was originally marking him, but he kind of stopped tracking him because I think he assumed Kamavinga was going to take him on the wing instead. But once he stopped tracking him, uh, and Kamavinga just didn't close down on him, and, and that's where the, the initial domino was, I think. So it was a bit of bit of everything, to be honest, and a great finish and a great offensive play, to be fair, to Almeria. Um, what is it? Did you see a turning point in the first half, like after the initial 20 minutes, and could you pinpoint what it was that maybe got Real Madrid back into the game, or was it just a matter of just weathering yeah. a storm? Yeah. I don't know if I could put my finger on exactly when the turning point was. Um, how late was the Lucas Vasquez disallowed goal? Because that, I felt like, even that's when it felt like we were starting to get momentum. And I would minute. say, okay, so that was pretty late. Yeah, I would say, yeah, like 30th minute onwards, even like at least we were really starting to to see the see the tide shift and see Real Madrid get more comfortable. And I think a couple of um, moments that encapsulated the change was look how aggressive Nacho was on Sadiq on some of those challenges coming out of the back. Nacho like got Sadiq better. would get the ball and Nacho was all over him. Yeah, Nacho got better and Nacho was all over him. Um, was as far out as like past the top of the center circle, um, making those challenges. And the ref didn't I mean, they were arguably could have been called a foul either way. Ref let it play on. Um, and I thought Nacho did really well, like from then on for the rest of the game, really. And he kind of shifted his attitude and realized, look, we gotta we gotta push this line further and I just got to be all over Sadiq once he gets the ball. And, and that's exactly what happened. So for me, like those, I noticed that twice in the first half. And so that kind of, uh, that for me felt like there was a, a momentum shift. So in the eighth minute, you had the Karim Benzema point blank shot, a 0.51 on the XG. Then you had Vin- uh, you had um, a 36 minute, you had Vinicius right on the edge of the six yard box. And then you had one by Karim Benzema. That's the one from the the cruise cross from a corner in the 27th minute. That's a really great chance. And then you had a bunch of shots throughout. 
And I also just need to backtrack. I don't know what I saw. I must have seen a first half stat or something that Jose tweeted in terms of the XG and the shot count, but I was way off on that. I was incorrect at the beginning of the podcast. So uh, I need to backtrack on that and just correct myself. So the XG was actually 3.11 for Real Madrid. I, for some reason, I thought that it was only 1.33. I don't know what I saw on social media that made me think that, uh, but that Maybe makes that more reverse. sense. Sounds like you had the reverse. <laughs> Well, I saw something 3.11 that... 3.11 versus 1.33 or something you said? Or 1.13? I, I it's possible. I just started wrong, read it wrong. But Almeria's was 0.8. I also said in my... Um, about the shots, I said uh, Almeria had two shots, which they had 10. And even when I said it, it didn't seem right. So I don't know what I was saying. Wow, they had the 10 shots? But I think... It didn't okay, seem like it. They had 10 shots and they had 3, 4, 5, 6 on target. So... Whatever I was smoking or drinking at the beginning of the podcast, please uh, accept my forgiveness. I would like to apologize to everybody. Um, so that's that embarrassment out of the way. I got. I just wanted to clear the air on that. I was wrong at the beginning of the podcast. Um, so this the second half, once we got to a stage, Matt, where basically we were knocking it around with Modric and Ceballos and Alaba was there and there was just a sense of control and Almeria couldn't get the ball. The, the comfort kind of kicked in, which maybe it was a little bit dangerous to be that comfortable because uh, up until the end, Almeria had chances at the end. And Courtois came up big with a couple saves, even though they were right at him. But this was still alive until the end of the game. And um, I thought we could talk about the depth a little bit. Against Frankfurt, it was five players who came in and they were all good and I think the only common denominator this game was maybe Ceballos but I have to look at it again but either way I think regardless of whatever combination of five people come in in the second half it's just going to be insane quality and the bench mob made a huge difference last season and I'm starting to almost believe that it doesn't matter who the bench mob is it just they, they, they seem to make an impact because if you go back to even the preseason you had a situation against Barca where Kamavinga, Chumeni, and Fede started. In the second half, Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro come in. They changed the game. And then against Club America, it was the exact opposite. Modric, uh, Cruz, and Casemiro played. And then the second half, Kamavinga came and changed the game. Chumeni came and changed the game. And then uh, you have a situation in this game where, uh, in both games, really, I think they, they did a great job off the bench. I still think... I actually mentioned... Sabayos as the unsung hero for the season. The reason I said that is because I think no one's talking about him. I think he's going to play a lot, more than we initially thought, and more than a lot of fans think. I think he's going to be a regular off the bench. I think you can throw him on in any scenario, whether you need to hold the ball, whether you need to find a line-breaking vertical pass, especially when Modric and Cruz can't play. If you need someone to put in a good defensive shift and work hard, you need energy, you need control. I think he fits in like almost any scenario. So I think that's why I, I put him there. I don't mean that he's going to be necessarily Benzema or something or or what whoever, but I think he's going to be giving us solid minutes that are going to go completely under the radar this season. So give me your thoughts on Ceballos. You don't have to do it about this game in particular because I think there's only so much to take home. But um, yeah, just give me your thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, I think... Ceballos, I mean, I've been a huge fan of Ceballos and a proponent of Ceballos like, for a while now. Um, even when he's had some down days at Arsenal, like overall his body of work there was pretty good. 
um, especially the first season. And I, I mean, I dedicated one of my Monday musings to him saying like Danny Ceballos deserves better because he, he does like he deserves a bigger role than even what he has now getting the five, 10 minutes off the bench that he gets because he does so well. And I actually thought today would have been a better game for Ceballos instead of Kamavinga to start. Um, I think his type of profile, it's, I'm not saying Ceballos is a better player than Kamavinga. I'm saying his type of profile probably would have fit better with the setup we used and with the team we were playing against. And so I think that's why I would have opted for him. Um, and so I, I honestly, who knows what happens until the transfer market closes. I know Ceballos and Asensio are, are definitely um, dispendable, but I hope that Ceballos stays and I hope that somehow we we can still renew him and not lose him on free because he is a quality, quality uh, player to have in your squad and to pull off the bench. And we've seen how important he was in the Champions League run last year. He came into those big games unfazed and just provided kind of that tranquility that he provides and that nice combination, one-touch one passing. And so I think... I think he'll be. I think he'll. His role will continue to grow as the season goes on, um, and I think Ancelotti appreciates him and recognizes him. And so, even though he only has one year left on his contract, Ancelotti is still giving him minutes, and he's not giving it to Marco Asensio. I think that's a statement. Um, and so, I I hope that those minutes continue to come and they grow. And I think to your point, Keon, like this is, I think this is going to be the theme for the season is that the team now we have a squad where we can make five substitutions and it can completely change the dynamic of the game and we can flip a game on its head. And that's what we, that's honestly what led to the champions league, the 14th champions league. And it's a theme that started at the end of the last season and it looks to be continuing at, at the start of this season. And I'm excited by it. I think that's the thing that's going to be like you, I think Hazard role, Hazard's role tonight is probably the perfect role for him. Like, need to turn a game around, need somebody in between the lines to just kind of connect the pieces and maybe pull off one little pass or touch that just is a little bit different and unique to break some lines and play him in the number 10, play him in a position where he doesn't need that explosiveness as much anymore. He's just kind of a connector. And maybe you switch the formation up, but it works. And I think that I think that is a role I could see for him, and a role I could see him being successful in. And I think it's just again, it goes to the scene where we can plug and play, and maybe change formation, change personnel, change profile, and that's kind of the the key to Real Madrid's success this year. So you know what we're going to talk about now, right? We're going to talk. We have to talk about your favorite player because we talked about. Asensio, we don't know what's going to happen with him. We're going to wait till the 31st to see if he, he budges, he goes, he gets the message or whatever. And Rodrigo was obviously out of the squad today, which meant minutes for Eden Hazard and kind of stumbled into his ideal role today, to be quite honest. He, started, he was playing the 10 because, I mean, that's his ideal role and we spent so much time talking about that role doesn't exist at Real Madrid and I think I still stand by it despite what we saw today. It was a it was an interesting situation to to follow, find yourself in. Asensio's not playing, and then and Rodrigo's out of the squad. Um, so you had a period in this game where you had Modric and Cruz, and then Hazard in front of them in a in a four two 
four two three one of sorts kind of like I, I, it's depending on how you look at it but either way hazard plays kind of in the hole there had some neat nice neat touches good turns um talk to me about hazard's performance what it means yeah i think this is something that we can use going forward to to kind of take down low blocks um i don't think it's something we're going to start with i think it's going to be kind of a tool that Ancelotti uses as a game changer where he says okay Hazard, you're up. We got to try and break down the seat block. You're going in as the number 10. Um, and so then I think the question or the thing that I really liked from this formation was Fede kind of shifted position as well. Um, and our shape got even more asymmetrical than it was because we really didn't have a right winger. Yeah. Um, and Fede just came into the middle, but I felt like he, he was much improved there and was just winning the ball back quickly and just giving the ball like quickly distributing to Cruz and Modric to kind of um, just pull the strings. And so I liked it. I liked the shift. And I think Hazard, again, because he doesn't have to, because he doesn't have to rely on explosiveness or do any sprints or make runs in behind, he's just playing in between the lines. That fits him perfectly at this stage in his career. And so the little touches, the little, uh, like even that, one touch in the box to set up Green Benzema. That was nice. Like that, that His was one nice. key pass. Exactly. And that's what Eden Hazard can do. Like that's most players don't think like that. How he thinks about setting Kareem up or doing that in that type of play. Like he slows down. Even though he's got four defenders around him, Kareem's kind of just on top of him. He just kind of slows it down with that one little touch and sets his teammate up perfectly. And I don't think others in the squad really Maybe Moldrich, maybe Cruz, but they're not usually that high up in the box um, would think to do something like that. So I think that's where he can be a differentiator, and I think that's where he can carve out a role for himself finally at Real Madrid. I don't think it'll be as a starter, but I do think it could be as like a game changer. Ancelotti's quote after the game about Hazard was, quote, I don't know uh, if he can play the diamond role. I have to think about it. We have to keep in mind that we have a striker who is Vinicius who really likes the wing, and today we had reduced spaces. Physically, Hazard is working well, and I think he will have some minutes. Um, we haven't spoken about the main sub, which is David Alaba, the one that we owe everything to, apart from Lucas Vasquez flying into the box, which um, was... Uh, actually, before we get to that, um, on Vinicius, uh, that was a really incredible play from Vinicius to get around his man in the box and get that shot off and nearly score himself. But great stuff from Vasquez attacking the box like that, uh, attack, just cutting across goal to make, make sure he hits that in the back of the net. What's really interesting, and I don't know if you caught this, Matt, when you when initially Cas, uh, Casemiro and Alaba were about to come in together, they were both getting off the bench. They both had their kits on. They were getting ready. And then all of a sudden... And Ancelotti explained this in the post-game press conference. All of a sudden, there's a free kick. And David Ancelotti runs over to Alaba. He's like, get on the pitch. You need to take that free kick. And and uh, and and that's why Alaba came in sooner and he took the free kick. And oh, this wow, is, I didn't realize that. Yeah, this is the Ancelotti quote. Because I actually saw it happen in real time. Just I saw Casemiro and Alaba together. And I was confused why only Alaba was coming. I'm not confused. I was like, oh, I guess Casemiro is going to come in a little bit later. But now it all makes sense. That must have been why David uh, celebrated so hard. <laughs> yeah, I saw the picture you tweeted. The Angelotti said uh, the ones who had to take the free kick initially were Benzema or Tony Cruz, but Alaba came in and he shot it very well. 
David told him to come out quickly because he was going to take it. It wasn't easy because telling him that, telling Benzema and Tony Cruz not to shoot that free kick, it's a bit of a joke. But uh, he comes in and he scores. I mean, that free kick was perfect. I, you can't, that literally was, I've never seen it be that close to hitting the post but going out. Like it was like, it almost like wasn't on the inside of the post. It almost was like the middle of the post, but I kind of snuck in. It was so perfect. Like you can't, there's impossible to stop anything like that. Just perfect, perfect free kick. Yeah, I mean, it's it was world-class. And I, when I think of Alaba, like, he is the total package. He is he is a player, when Florentino always says his line, born to play for Real Madrid. Like, Alaba is one of those guys, I feel like. Like, he fits the Real Madrid mold and the Real Madrid quality and caliber of player you expect. And he just has it all. He has it all. And, like, that spot kind of hedged towards the right of the um, outside of the box on the right side of the pitch, like that is perfect for him. Like he should be taking those all day, and it's nice to score from a direct free kick. I can't remember the last time we scored from a direct free kick, so it was nice. It was nice, and it, it was just hilarious that he literally steps on it. And but what I noticed too, right before he took the kick, was he looked so like he just got in the zone. Like his face, the, the camera angle just kind of zoomed in on his face and. He just looks locked in, and you had kind of had a feeling. So it was cool to see him literally just go from the bench and get that locked in that quickly. Um, just a couple notes on the offense. Between Benzema, Fede Valverde, Vinicius, and Cruz, they had 15 key passes among them. And Benzema had seven shots. And four key passes. And I think this is kind of one of those freak games where I think most cases, Matt, I think we win this more comfortably. Just, I I think we, yeah, we had I mean, a decent Fede output. had four shots, all four on target too. Yeah. Fede, Fede, Fede one yeah. of these shots from Fede yeah. goes in. I hope I it's think, like a catch-up uh, bottle. He's just shooting on side. It either hits the crossbar or it's right at the yeah. keeper. Yeah, he's got to get one here sooner or later. He's at the post and crossbar how many times and just keep shooting right at the keeper in good positions. Um, but one other player in the attack, too, um, that I want to call out, and obviously you talked about him on the goal, but Lucas Vasquez, not only on the goal and the disallowed goal, but he was constantly making that weak side run yeah, and just constantly available and was a threat every time. And the graphic on the broadcast showed that we attacked like 33 times down the left and only four times down the right or something. Yeah. But all that means is Lucas is always on because you just congregate all those numbers. And we talked about how Vinny just attracts two or three defenders now. Well, that means somebody's open and that somebody is usually Lucas Vasquez on the weak side. So um, get it to Cruz, have Cruz hit that long diagonal and, put Vasquez in every time because it worked and and, and, it, and it worked in this game and he was I mean you see where he scored those goals from too I mean he was in really advanced positions he was pulling on Audrey Zola Fiorentina basically playing right winger so um yeah it's uh it's one of those things with the attacks on the left side really it's funny because a lot of it is literally to just uh, unlock something for the right wing it's it's to just absorb, 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 and then switch it. And uh, whether it's Vasquez or Carvajal, it's going to be super important. It's amazing how much that dynamic may have changed if we had 
um, signed the person we whom we do not speak of who would have maybe taken more on the right wing. Um, what else from this game did you want to talk about? You're on mute. Um, I think, I mean, the the introduction of Modric, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the introduction of uh, Modric was really, really important. Um, I, I think we just, we gained that control that we lacked. I think we gained some of, some of the more fluidity and just kind of um, nonchalant play within our game. And I think... Um, he was he was really important. I, I mean, Furlan Mendy. I know we talked about him, but I just thought he wasn't even that great defensively today yeah, he either. Was a little bit rough. I, on I didn't both think ends. he. I, yeah, I think it was just a rough game for him overall. Um, other than that, I don't know. I don't know that too much. I, I felt like Kareem Benzema was good, but not at his absolute like kind of best that we got used to last season. I think there may be a little bit of rust in this game. Um, that being said, who did he, he, he was inside the box. He did like a little scissor and then crossed it, um, lofted across to the back post. Uh, who did that? Do you recall that play I'm talking about where he beats Kaiki inside the box and lost the ball to the back post? And I think it was a pretty good opportunity, but I can't remember who it falls to. Um, but like that's just kind of. I think what it was Fede. My point. Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think it was that Fede shot that he uh, volleyed right at the keeper. Um, my point in bringing that play up is that even when he has those, when th- these types of games that quote unquote are quieter, even though he has the most shots and still has like four key passes, is he he can do something out of nothing, and he is that player. The reason why Mariano Jovic and whoever else has our all these other guys aren't going to play many minutes in that in that position is because you can't afford to take him off. You just can't. You got to keep him on the full ninety minutes. Uh, he's that differential of a player, and uh, he's that important. Yeah, I think with the reason I'm I'm okay with this Benzema performance, apart from the obvious fact that he's Benzema and he's allowed to basically like if he had uh, if every single game for the rest of his career was terrible, I still would forgive him for it based on what he's done. But beyond that obvious thing is that uh, he was very involved. Like, he did, was not shy today. Like, it's one thing to be inactive and shy away from the game and be bad, but he was just not efficient, and maybe he was a little bit uh, rusty or tired. I don't know what the word is, but leg-heavy something, rusty. But he was making those runs into the box to get to receive passes. He was setting up his teammates. He was working hard. Again, seven shots is insane. Four key passes on a bad night. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly. Like he's, he's going to be fine. So I'm not too worried about him. Um, just doing a quick scan of my notes. We're at that stage of the podcast now. Um, we mentioned Nacho, like, yeah, you mentioned, uh, Nacho, growing into it and, and marking Sadiq. I thought he also had a huge intervention in the box in the 84th minute. Um, thought he was pretty good. How would you, uh, the initial how would you grade Rudiger in his La Liga debut? Um, so I thought after that initial confusion, which led to the goal in the sixth minute, I thought he was actually a pretty great monster, like monster. Like he was a, like he's, such a presence in the box like 
just his, some of his headers are just ridiculous. He's a bit of a freak. Now, there was one which I thought on Rodrigo Eli later in the game where he lets Eli free, but that's kind of like, a, I think, a combination of a lot of things happening where they were doing some zonal marking and a bunch of Real Madrid players, I think, were a little bit confused as to who they're supposed to be picking up. But overall, I thought he was really good. And there were a couple moments in the second half in particular, I remember that Almeria strikers had basically a foot race between him and Rudiger try to get to, and they have no chance. Like Rudiger is so fast. I, I, I really trust him. I'm not, I, again, I, I'm really, I'm happy with his performance beyond that initial thing. Yeah, I think similar to Nacho, I felt like he grew into the game. Um, and I think the only thing you missed was just that one pass he had over the top to Benzema. It was just like a curled pass over the top of the defense right into Benzema's path. And normally, like, that's a tough chance for most players, but normally you would think Benzema just cracks that at one time into the top corner. Yeah. Um, but just didn't come off. But that, those were kind of the two highlights I felt like from Rudiger and the other pass I mentioned from Chuameni, uh in the first half where you're like, okay, these are sequences, moments, snapshots, whatever you want to call them, that show off these the skill set that these guys have and then once they gradually kind of find their rhythm in this team get to know their teammates better like i'm sure we'll see more of that yeah um i, I i'm curious to know like if the kamavinga too many cross lineup midfield trio gets the run again and i'm sure they will at some point how it functions because today was it was interesting to me because Cruz was a little bit higher up the pitch behind the ball. Like he was almost in the hole and Kamavinga and Chiu, many were playing a little bit deeper, which kind of makes sense to me. But I'm just curious to see how that synergy would form if they kept playing that role and who would, who would take what role. Because I felt like there was still a little bit of confusion as to, as to who was doing what today in particular. I wonder how that plays out. I'd be, in, yeah, I'd be interested to see it against a team that wasn't in a deep block. Like maybe a team that pressed us a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be interesting to see because when you're playing against a deep block, I just not to not to discredit Kamavinga because I do think he he does have some of this some of this in, within his toolbox. But I just like some of the creativity, progressive passing. Like I think he he shows it off sometimes, but it's not consistent enough at this point in his career and uh, what he's like. What he's truly elite at is just winning the ball back, carrying the ball forward, breaking lines that way. Yeah. Um, and so, in this type of setup and in this type of game, like I just didn't feel like we got the best out of his characteristics. And so, I, like I said, I would have preferred a different profile. But I think a, a, a team that presses us, this would be interesting midfield to see. Even I would actually put maybe Modric instead of Cruz. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter, but. Um, it would be interesting to see the, that three against like a team that really presses us. So Kamavinga in transition where you just need to get the ball up the field like and like he's going to be lights out in that situation as we saw in the Champions League. But also I think if he's gonna if you're gonna need him as a line breaker against a low block, I think he needs to be higher up the pitch, like moving in between lines, moving in the half spaces, showing up at the top of the box rather than in a deeper role. Um, I, I did want to just make a couple more notes on, on, on a couple of things, one of them based on what you said. And also going back to Fede Valverde for a sec, because one of the things I thought 
we didn't mention about Fede, or maybe you didn't. I just missed it, but uh, his ball carrying was pretty impressive because he, he th- this game in against Frankfurt, some of the buildup was a little bit slower. He just takes it upon himself. He's like, okay, you guys know what? I'm just going to take this ball 40 yards and just see what happens, and something comes out of it. Like there was one in the first half where he, where we were starting to just kind of grow out of our shell a little bit, and he just takes the ball, runs up the left side, and gets the ball into Benzema in the box. And that wouldn't have happened if he didn't just do that within like four seconds. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention about Rudiger, which we didn't mention when we were talking about his defense and his aerial ability, his long-range passing is going to be really, really helpful, especially beating a press. But there was one he had today over the top of Almeria's line, just beating their whole team with one pass. That That's another part of Rudiger's game that is, excites me. Yeah, the the Fede piece, I um, I completely forgot. But you're right. He, I mean, he had a couple sequences, especially in the first half. It felt like he was the only one playing with that intensity and that urgency that was required after we went one nothing down, and he was kind of putting it on his own shoulders and just dragging the team forward, carrying the ball up. Like his speed is so is such a threat. Um, and again, I think once he can. Hopefully it is like the ketchup bottle because once he can get notch a couple assists, notch a couple goals, get on a run here, I think that will be huge for just kind of maybe seeing a slight another uptick in Fede's career. Like if he can really notch that into his belt, I think that's kind of the next step for him in, in terms of taking that last developmental step. Anything? Uh, anything else from this game that we missed? Uh, no, I just think it's, I think it was important for the team to react the way they did, like to show the character, to not freak out at, at halftime when you're still one nothing down, despite having countless opportunities. Uh, it never got too frenzied, I feel like. And it's kind of to the point we made earlier about what Karim Benzema said at halftime. I felt like the team were, they were patient and they did wait and Carlo didn't make any two drastic substitutions where like we lose complete control of the midfield where we've seen in the past where we'll take out midfielders, throw on attackers, but then the game just gets on more chaotic and, and it just doesn't work in your favor. In this instance, Carlo gave us more control. We added more pieces to try and break through the lines and it just, it gradually came. We never, there was no chaos. There was no frenzy. There was no like just, you know, anxiousness about trying to score a goal late in the game. And so I think that was that's something I hope we can continue to build upon and kind of take as note for future games because we're going to see this again for sure. Um, solid, solid night for the narrative of this team has mentality and winning mentality and doesn't panic and all that stuff. I completely agreed. We got, uh, Matt, we got a exciting Tuesday Tapas episode coming up, right? We got... How lucky do we, after after months and months of suffering <laughs> for content, we have season debut goals from Brahim Diaz, Takefusa Kubo, and Luka Jovic. And uh, we're going to be covering the 50% rights guys on the podcast as much as we yeah. can. So, uh, we got a lot we had of Miguel Gutierrez debut. We have Fran Garcia playing Lights Out versus Rafinha. I mean, we had a lot, an epic weekend. Are we going to put Fran Garcia on the list too? I'm down. Oh, for this weekend we are. He yeah, was, for this weekend awesome. we'll make an exception anyway. 
Um, yeah, so if we you guys, still have fifty percent of his rights. So he's do the we? Same I, as these other guys. The thing yeah. I, 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 we need to make a spreadsheet and because I got I'm. <laughs> I'm losing track of who we have fifty percent rights on. It's a, it's a growing list. It's a it's a new thing we have to keep track of now. So, listeners, if you want access to that one, Patreon.com/slash Managing Madrid. Every single Tuesday night, Matt and I do something called Tuesday Tapas. We bounce around the Real Madrid universe and also discuss some of these guys, like the people on loan, and also the people who we have fifty percent rights on. Discuss their performances and all that. So go over to Patreon.com/slash Managing Madrid. Some housekeeping. We're going to have a podcast, or actually, I think we're going to have two free podcasts tomorrow on Monday as well. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, Lucas and I are going to talk about stuff, and then also there is a Las Blancas episode, which will either drop tonight or tomorrow morning, so stay tuned for that, and again, the Patreon stuff will be on Tuesday night, Tuesday Tapas, and um, I just want to clarify that stat I brought up at the beginning of the podcast was for the first half. So in the first half, Real Madrid's XG, 1.33 to Almeria's 0.24. This, this part actually is the one that blew my mind. We had 17 shots in the first half, which is a lot of shots for one half of football. It's a lot. Um, yeah, so just wanted to clarify that further so you guys, uh, so you guys know what I was smoking. It wasn't, it wasn't too crazy. It was just a first half stat, that's all. Matt, appreciate your time. Thank you, my friend. We'll chat Tuesday. Have a great night. Peace out. Thanks, Cam. Chat Tuesday. All right, before we wrap it up and send you along on your way, we wanted to give a quick shout-out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid, but we wanted to give a specific shout-out to our $10-plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, you get a specific shout-out on the podcast in addition to getting guaranteed responses to your questions. So shout-out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Umair Mahadi, Tyler Simon, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tarek Goktas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Shivam Tiwari, Sherry Soriel, Sheikh Atiri, Shamil Shabal Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samuli Justin, Samir Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odiafati, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Zapatero Zubiare, Nicholas Moller, um, Nick Ribeiro, next, sorry, Nick Ribeiro, Nelson Masariego, Muxi Thangal, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Christian Toff, Krishna Costa, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Alexis Saniceros, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for your support. We love you all. And Hala Mari.